Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael's series in the book of Song of Solomon called An Invitation to Intimacy. These teachings are carefully thought out by Pastor Michael and his son, Pastor Shane, and the subject matter is probably best suited for married or engaged couples. These teachings may not be suitable for young children. Now here's part two of Pastor Michael's final teaching in Song of Solomon, chapters 7 and 8, called Wise Principles for Marriage. Sometimes over the years, there there was a a book written by Dennis Rainey, the former uh, founder and president of Family Life Ministries. He wrote a book, Gold Medallion Winner, called Staying Close. And the premise of the book is that marriages, because of our humanity, naturally move over time to isolation. We are excited about each other at first. We are intimate. We always want to touch and kiss. But as time goes by, Rainey argued, the natural human tendency is to move towards isolation. And his solution in the book was you have to be intentional about keeping romance and intimacy alive. I mentioned in a previous message that some experts say you should kiss 15 to 20 seconds, keep the kiss going, count if you have to, three. I I heard it stirred up some really healthy conversation in one of our small groups. You know, they're counting, apparently. I don't know what's going on. But anyway, the point is this. You have to keep romance alive because you can begin to take one another for granted. And touching and hugging and kissing are all very, very important things. And so she says, I wish that I could call you my brother so that we could touch. It's it's a really healthy sign when a couple is still older and they still touch. My wife shared a funny video, and uh, we couldn't really play it for the congregation because there are a couple uh, parts about it that we probably wouldn't want to share in front of the church. But it was this old couple, and they couldn't attend this wedding, so they were setting, sending wedding blessings via video to this young couple. And they were talking about principles that they wanted to share from 70 years of marriage. And they talked about, she said, have a clean house and <laughs> make sure you pick up after me. He said, you always yell at me when I don't pick up. And it kind of has some funny moments. And at the end, she kisses him for about a good 10 seconds. And she starts laughing. And she, and she stops laughing. And she says, I haven't kissed him like that in 25 years. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Anyway, so uh, <laughs> love is affectionate. Love is unashamedly affectionate. And some of us came from a generation where our parents didn't even know how to say, I love you. And, and maybe, you know, uh, the men in the family, it was a strong handshake and that was about it. And maybe your dad never told you that he loved you. And, you know, I remember grandpa, uh, I know he loved us, but he, he, it wasn't really something that he said. That generation just thought if you supplied for your family what they needed financially, then, you know, they, they knew, they, they know. But touch is an important thing. And in fact, she goes so far as to use very intimate language in 8.3 that she wishes that they could be intimate. 
Maybe she's thinking about, she had dreams about her household, uh, her home when she grew up and being intimate with her husband there. I'll, I'll leave that to you. But she ends the sixth idol with these words of exhortation. I want you to swear, O daughters of Jerusalem, do not arouse or awaken my love, or love, my is added by the translators, until she pleases or until the time is right. If you're a young person, I really want you to write this down. True love waits. True love waits. Don't arouse those feelings before the time is right. You must guard yourself, guard your virginity until the time is right. True love will wait. A wise man once said, wise people make short-term sacrifices for long-term gains. Wise people make short-term sacrifices for long-term gains. I had a brother who said to me, he moved to the Pacific Northwest, Pastor Michael, it amazes me that people for five minutes of pleasure will give away their marriage, their family, their ministry, you name it. Because temptation is strong. And when those feelings get aroused, especially when you're younger and your hormones are on overdrive, it can be very difficult to rein them back in. But you want to save yourself for your future spouse if indeed you're going to be married. Some of you have the gift of singleness. But a couple principles up front. And then notice what happens. As they're coming, uh, some believe this is a grandma or an aunt or a close family friend speaking. It says these words. Who is this coming up from the wilderness, leaning on her beloved? Beneath the apple tree, some believe that's the, the tree of love or the family tree. We'll come back to that. I awakened you. There your mother, notice the mention of her mother again, was in labor with you or brought you forth there she was in labor and gave you birth. Now, the images of them arriving from the desert, this time the focus is not on him, the bridegroom, but on her. And the question is asked, who is this? It's almost like this. If you have family, let's say in another state, and let's say you haven't seen a niece or a nephew in 15 years. They were a little kid when you remember them. And now you have a family gathering and they're all grown up and you're like, who is that? Now, you know who it is. They've grown up, but you haven't seen them for a long time. So you're comparing them to what they were when you last saw them and to what they are now. And here's the point. This woman has been so transformed by the bridegroom or her husband that it's hard to tell who she is. She's changed, but in a good way. And if you're taking notes, this is another thing. Love is transformational. When we marry the right person, and we can take it to a spiritual plane now, we are married to our great bridegroom, Jesus Christ, who's transforming us from one degree of glory to another, conforming us more and more into the image of Christ, Romans 8, 29. This is the point of that marriage. It will become evident who you're married to will influence you so that hopefully people in a good sense will say, who is that? Wow. If you interviewed people who knew me when I was 18 and saw me today preaching, they would say, who is that? Because the Michael Lance as a senior in high school is a much different man 
than the Michael Lance at an age which will remain undisclosed (laughs) at this very moment. But here's the point. The change has been a positive. I want to submit my bride to my Lord one day and hopefully prayerfully have her be the better for her marriage to me. Because Christ has been working in my life. Galatians 4.19 says, My dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. She's been changed. And something that you can see in verse 5 is that when they approach, the question is asked, and her posture is she is leaning on her beloved. Some definitions of love. Love is leaning. When we study the book of Exodus, In chapter 17, the Israelites fought the Amalekites and Moses was up on the mountain praying and they won the victory and they built an altar, Moses did, and called it, the Lord is my banner. And some Hebrew experts believe banner can be described in this way. The Lord is the one I lean on. The apostle John, the one whom Jesus loved, used to lean on Jesus' chest. We're told that in John 13, verse 23. He leaned on Jesus' chest. That was the love and the comfort that the church, the bride, had with the bridegroom on the night before he would die and demonstrate his love for his bride on that cross. Amen? And so there's a comfort here. There's a leaning love. And there's a sense in which in the body of Christ, though it's not the intimate parts in terms of romance, there's other things that we can do for one another in the body, no matter if you're married, widowed, single, etc. And here's what it is. We can be a shoulder for the church. We are to bear one another's burdens and thus fulfill the law of Christ, which is the law of love. And I want to ask you, are you leanable? Or are you a bit prickly? Is there a comfort level that if someone attempted to lean, you would be there, offering a shoulder or a chest, as it were? Love is leanable. And the Lord, of course, is the one that I ultimately lean on, but I want my bride to be able to lean on me. And one time I asked Brenda, Why do you cry? And as a man, I don't always understand a woman's tears. Can I get a witness? Gentlemen, any of you brave enough to say amen? All right. So I finally decided to ask after 19 years of marriage. <laughs> took me a little while. I, think, I don't think it was 19 years. But I, I asked her, why do you cry? And she told me to purge. I hit a little white golf ball to purge. Why, I, it just adds more terror to my life. I don't know why I do it. But anyway, never mind. Or I would hit a little blue racquetball. She cries. And so I said, when you cry, what do you want me to do? Because I often feel myself at quite a loss or I'm trying to figure out who I'm supposed to kill. That kind of thing. Who did it? Where are they? And she told me, all I want you to do is listen to me and be a shoulder for me. You don't have to fix it. You don't have to offer 10 suggestions. I just want you to be there for me. And that's something I'm trying to learn. 
You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. If you listen to Walk in Truth on a regular basis, we could use your help by becoming a monthly financial partner. Our mission on Walk in Truth is to help people like you become better equipped with God's Word to address today's issues, trends, and culture. Your financial partnership helps us broadcast on this station, provide the podcast, and with other monthly expenses. What we really need is more monthly partners so the program will be sustained in the months and maybe even years to come. Our ultimate goal is to eventually become 100% listener-supported and then have the ability to broadcast on more radio stations to reach more people like you. Please consider becoming a Walk in Truth monthly partner, giving $10 to $20 a month. You can give online today at walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH or visit walkintruth.com. We'd love to see who's listening. So please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now back to the Walkin' Truth series called An Invitation to Intimacy. The subject matter is best suited for married or engaged couples and may not be suitable for younger children. Here's Pastor Michael. So I finally decided to ask after 19 years of marriage. <laughs> took me a little while. I, think, I don't think it was 19 years. But I, I asked her, why do you cry? And she told me to purge. I hit a little white golf ball to purge. Why, I, it just adds more terror to my life. I don't know why I do it. But anyway, never mind. Or I would hit a little blue racquetball. She cries. And so I said, when you cry, what do you want me to do? Because I often feel myself at quite a loss or I'm trying to figure out who I'm supposed to kill. That kind of thing. <laughs> who did it? Where are they? And she told me, All I want you to do is listen to me and be a shoulder for me. You don't have to fix it. You don't have to offer 10 suggestions. I just want you to be there for me. And that's something I'm trying to learn. I don't have to always offer 17 Bible verses or, you know, send out a hit squad to a certain address, (laughs) guys in dark suits. Love is leanable. Can I ask you how you're doing with that? How are we doing with that as a church? Jesus said, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love each other. How would the world know that we love each other unless there's some way to tell that we actually do love each other? And here's the good news. I watch you guys do it. I watch the hugs. I watch the greetings. I watch the excitement to be here. I watch the meals that come to the hurting. I watch the prayers and the texts and the words of encouragement. And you do that as a body. And it's a beautiful testimony of the love of Christ moving through you as a community. That's wonderful. And that is a sign that we belong to our Lord. Here's another thing. Love is nurturing. Notice there's a mention of mom. Mom was in labor with you. The Hebrew word can mean that's where mom made a pledge or brought you forth If you look at the Hebrew, it can't have the idea of a pledge when she gave you birth. Some scholars believe that at some point as mom and daughter spent time together, mom nurtured daughter in the ways of love. In fact, she went beyond the birds and the bees to talk about how a woman would please a man 
in a marriage setting. Of course, appropriate. So some years ago, we were doing a program called Raising a Modern Day Night, and uh, the boys were younger, and I had a dad in the congregation say to me, you know, I'm trying to figure out how to biblically have the talk with my son, who at at that time was 12 or 13 years old. And I had heard some advice from James Dobson that you kind of give information away as is appropriate to the age. And so we both agreed that we would use the book of Genesis, the story of Adam and Eve, and we would give a certain amount to the level that the kid, of their, their age or appropriateness, I think you guys get the idea. And then we would try to give more away as time went on. My point is this, that can you see the close family connection here? The family's involved. In fact, the mom, the implications are that the mom has shared before her wedding night exactly how she is to please a man. And some, some might say, oh, that, that's strange. I would never want to talk to my mom and dad about such matters. But do you know where the culture goes to get wisdom on such matters? High school friends in the cafeteria or college dorm rooms given by fools, frankly, who don't know a thing about what it means to be committed to a person in the context of marriage. True? So let's say we have an imaginary couple and they come together and they say, you know what? Let's give it a shot. Let's you and I live together. Do you think that they're going to go meet with their Christian parents and say, hey, what do you think if we give it a spin for six months and See, in today's culture, it's almost unheard of that the family would have a say in a decision like that, but not here. In the biblical narrative, the family is very involved, and mom has prepared the daughter for this moment and given some detail that might be, in this setting uncomfortable for us to talk about. But nonetheless, she's done it because she wanted her to hear it from the right source with the right wisdom. And I think that that needs to be recaptured. And there's some conversations that we all need to have. And we all have work to do. I have work to do in this area. But the truth of the matter is, still it is before us. Love is nurturing. And we move to verse 5. Some of the things about love. She says, put me like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm. In the ancient world, they had something called a seal. And in Hebrew culture, it was your family insignia. And it was often captured in a signet ring with your family marking on it. And sometimes when a contract was made or a big moment in life happened, or you even wanted to mark things that you owned like if there were going to be cargo on a ship, you would take your signet ring and impress it into wax and you would leave your mark on it. And she said, put your signet, your seal over or in my heart and on your arm, or we might say on your finger. Never forget that I am your first love in your heart and reminded on your finger. Today we have a wedding ring. I have a friend who lives out of state. He will never take his wedding ring off, ever. He told me, this never leaves my finger. And do you know why? Because it is the signet of his love for his bride connected to the sealing of his heart for her. He says, it it means that much to me that I won't take it off. And they've been married for many decades now. 
And this is what she's saying. Basically, I want me to be that seal on your heart. Love is leaning or leanable. Love is nurturing and love is strong. It's sealed. The Bible says that we are sealed by the Holy Spirit unto the day of redemption. Ephesians 1.13 says we're sealed the moment we believe. And Ephesians 4.30 says we're sealed to the day of consummation or redemption. And the seal that we have in our lives that means we belong to Jesus Christ, our bridegroom, is the Holy Spirit sealing us for the day of redemption. His spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we belong to him and one day he will finish what he started in us. Amen? And the modern word for engagement ring is actually the word that means pledge in the book of Ephesians. Ephesians, the pledging of the promise of God for that future marriage supper of the Lamb. And she says, oh, that you would seal my love on your heart, in your heart, that I would be the only one for you and you for me. Because love, verse 6, middle, is as strong as death. Jealousy is as severe as shield. That could be the grave. Some believe it's hell. Love is as strong as death and hell. And death and hell, or the grave and hell, don't let anybody go. And it speaks of the permanence of love. Things will dissipate. Spiritual gifts will one day disappear. But love will last forever because God is love. Amen? And we will always know that love. Nothing will ever put that love out. Not death or the grave. In fact, that love has conquered the grave. Amen? Death will die in the resurrection. And love is that strong, as powerful as the grave, as powerful as hell. One pastor was saying that, can you imagine with this in mind that, you know, a, a bride and a groom are up before a pastor at a wedding and he says to the girl, all right, will you have him in sickness and health, uh, forsaking all others till death do you part? And she responds, like hell. <laughs> and he said, you know, that's biblical. We just read it. Let it sink in just for a moment. You'll get it. It was an attempt at weak humor as well. But anyway, never mind. His love won't let you go. I will never leave you, nor will I ever forsake you. So that we may confidently say the Lord is my helper. That's Hebrews 13, 5 and 6. You've been listening to Wise Principles for Marriage, Part 2 on Walk in Truth. That was Pastor Michael's final teaching in Song of Solomon, Chapters 7 and 8. If you missed any part of today's program, Walk in Truth is available on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and many more. Subscribe for free to hear Pastor Michael's teachings in more books of the Bible. Now, we have pastors on staff that would love to speak with you if you need prayer or counsel. Maybe these Ten Commandment teachings are bringing up some feelings you need to let out, or perhaps you have more questions. Go ahead and call Walk in Truth Tuesdays through Fridays during daytime hours at 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. 844-48-TRUTH. Now here's Pastor Michael one more time before we go. The famous line of pastors is that couples will often come into counseling because they want someone else to hear their complaints about their spouse. 
Well, that's not been working. But if you come in with a heart of humility, wanting to know how you can change and the marriage can thus change, there is then hope for change. That is really the environment where good change can happen. Hey, if we can help you in any way, we've been giving out a phone number you can call Tuesday through Friday during the week, 844-48-TRUTH. We have pastors available to pray with you, to be a listening ear, 844-48-TRUTH. But we also know that a voice on the other side of a microphone or a phone doesn't always do it. So I would encourage you to seek out help from your small group leader, your pastor. Maybe there's a um, person who has the ability to counsel you on marriage, a marriage ministry, perhaps just a wise couple that you've watched and they have a long, successful marriage. Ask them to mentor you. It's not that complicated. Get help. Get wisdom. Because in the multitude of counselors, there's safety. Well, well, we'll see you right here next time as we do another look at Wise Principles for Marriage. So glad you're listening. Hey, keep us in prayer. God bless you. And we'll see you right here, Lord willing, tomorrow. And don't forget that Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. If you're a longtime listener, please consider becoming a Walk in Truth partner. Your contribution helps us broadcast on this station provide the podcast, and with some of the the behind-the-scenes work for this ministry. Please consider becoming a Walk in Truth partner for just $5 a month and visit walkintruth.com to give. That's walkintruth.com. And join us tomorrow for part three of Pastor Michael's final teaching in Song of Solomon called Wise Principles for Marriage. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.